The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. By faith, Moses, having become full-grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, having chosen rather to suffer with the people of God than to have the enjoyment of sin for a season, having considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not having feared the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing the unseen. Hebrews eleven twenty four and on. Moses quit the royals. He said no. I will not be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I am an Israelite. And so he made his way to where the Israelites were in deep slavery. 
thinking to himself that he could step in and begin to do something to deliver his people. And so he sees an Egyptian taskmaster beating one of the slaves, an Israelite, and being highly skilled in martial art, highly skilled in all of the the training of Egypt in the very best universities and the very best warfare. He stepped in and killed that slave driver. The next day he goes out, again hoping that he can rally the people of God, the Israelites, that they would accept him and they would rally to him. But instead, he is rebuked by an Israelite who says, Are you going to kill me too? He is rejected. We need to understand. Moses had all of the skills and techniques of the military, of management, highly educated, very skilled in martial arts. But it was not sufficient to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Human flesh could not deliver the children of Israel. They were in the depths of bondage. One man was not going to come in all of his training and sophistication and understanding of the Egyptian ways, they were not going to accept him. And he could not be their deliverer. Now, please, it is the same today. We have all of the education We have our fine facilities. We have everything the world could desire. The music, the entertainment, the seeker-sensitive churches. What's it mean? Same thing it meant to Moses. Nothing. Nothing. You cannot serve God in the power of your education. Now, I have been educated. Theology major, communications major in the college level. On to graduate school, Masters of Divinity. Continuing after that with seminars and workshops and various professional training trained in psychotherapy, pastoral counselor. What did I accomplish? Nothing in the spirit. Oh, I was very successful in the flesh. And totally unsuccessful in the spirit realm. I'm going to talk today with you about the spirit realm and how we move into it. For in the flesh realm, a pastor will be totally unsuccessful and a church will be an utter failure. Well, welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I have just a couple of of quick things I need to mention to you. First, yesterday was a hard day for the broadcast. The reason it was hard is we have a new board, a new mixer, and I had the volume levels too loud for our our YouTube channel, and so the voice was splattering and it was not clean and clear. Would you quickly give me some feedback. Is the broadcast clear today on YouTube? 
See, I am simultaneously broadcasting on WAVA 780 AM and also at the same time broadcasting on YouTube. So if it's clear, would you let me know that? Brother Ed, if you're listening, would you give me some quick feedback? Is the volume level where it needs to be? I've readjusted it. I think it's right now. I pray it is. Now, I also I also want to let you know that as of this morning, we were $1,644.77 short of having the radio money for the month of July. So, I'm wondering, are you concerned about that? I am. And I've been praying and saying, Lord, I'm just going to trust you to move in people's hearts to give. So yesterday, $48.25 came in. And I'm standing by faith for this week, the last week of July, to have this completely covered. So if you'd like to participate, please go to our YouTube channel or our our uh, our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com you can give online or you can write to me at the national prayer chapel post office box 2346 woodbridge virginia 22195 this is a faith ministry i wait on the lord and i receive from his hand only what he chooses to give. Now let's come back to Moses. To learn in the school of God, Moses had to turn his back on the land of Pharaoh. It's still that way. Our hearts must be separated, the spirit divorced from the world, if progress is to be made in spiritual things. The one who is to use the vessel can alone prepare it. Now Moses kept the flocks of Jethro, of Ruol. He did not own the flock. He went from a hut to the palace and now back to the desert to take care of the sheep. The backside of the desert is where we lose all self-pity The influences there that come upon us teach us about reality. Reality is all there is in the desert. It's a simple life. It's a simple life. And in that simple life, you eat, you care for the sheep, And you have a great amount of time to be with the Lord. Now, if a man or woman desires to grow in spiritual things, you are going to have to separate from the world, the flesh, and the devil. You're going to have to leave behind the entertainment of our day you're going to have to spend much time alone with God. This is the first prerequisite. If you are going to be a servant of the Most High God, if you're busy, 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 you will not have time to be with Jesus. And of course, busyness 
flows out of the human heart as it tries to be somebody. Today I'm going to be asking the question, do you still have something to prove to your husband or your wife, to your children? Do you still have something to prove to your parents? Do you still have something to prove to your friends? Or have you put all of that need for approval away from your heart? Do you still need to be approved by your boss and by your fellow workers? Do you have to be considered important? Do you have to be considered as somebody who is very valuable? Do you need people to pat you on the back? To say good things about you? Then you cannot be used in the service of Jesus. The one whom we want approval from is Jesus. He is the one who will make the final judgment about the value of our life. So we're going to have to separate from those things of the world. And we're going to have to come into a relationship with Jesus where our heart does not hunger after the world, after the entertainment, after the, the applause. We're going to have to come to a place where we're okay with being alone. Now, I'm saying this to you as a man who for many years was addicted to the approval of others. I was a pleaser. And the Lord said to me many years ago, I'm going to make you into a threshing sledge with new and sharp teeth. Well, I didn't like the sound of that. I've never wanted to be a threshing sledge. I'd rather be a teddy bear. I'd rather be loved and approved and fawned over. My love language has been affirmation. Love. But the Lord called me out of that initially into the desert of California where I spent a year just in scripture and prayer. And then he called me back to Washington, D.C. and sent me to live with a, my wife to a pagan family and for five years, we lived with them as their servants in their house. With a great deal of time, separated unto the Lord, while friends and family called us fanatics, would not speak with us, totally separated from us. They didn't understand. And I look back I could have spoken to them in a way, had I been more mature, that they could have understood what was happening in our lives. But frankly, I didn't understand very well what God was doing with me. During that process, I fell on a hike and I broke my ankle. My wife helped me back to the house. It was quite swollen. She wrapped it in a bandage and put ice on it. And she said, do you want to go to a doctor? I said, no. I'm going to sit in this chair. I'm going to be alone with Jesus. He's obviously saying to me that I need more time alone. And so for the next several months, I sat alone in that chair, praying for my ankle to heal and finally, by the grace of God, he touched my ankle and he healed it. 
I was reading the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, some 50 times. I was filled with scripture. Now, when we see Moses, God has called him for 40 years. 40 years to be separate from Egypt. Now, in that place, it is very clear that the din of the world did not penetrate him. The noise, the hustle and the bustle and the confusion of Egypt did not touch him. The crash in the economy, the commercial world, no word is spoken in the desert about that. The sigh of ambition finally fades from his, from his spirit. The world's fading congratulations do not tempt in the desert. The thirst for gold is not felt there. The eye is never dimmed with lust. Nor is the heart swollen with pride. Human applause does not elevate nor human censure depress. In this world, everything is set aside, say the stillness and the light of the divine presence. I want to say that again. Today, I am very much separated out to Jesus. I don't spend my days in busy work. I don't spend my time sighing in ambition for success. That's been taken from me. Now the greatest joy of my heart is to be in the stillness and the light of God's divine presence. I want to hear God's voice. I want to enjoy him. I want to receive his thoughts. This is the place to which all must go to be educated for ministry. It's there that all must remain if they would succeed in ministry. You cannot leave the stillness and the light of the divine presence and expect to be successful in the work of ministry. Now you can spend a great deal of time trying to please other people, trying to accomplish all of the work that you think needs to be accomplished. But in the end, you'll be alone without the presence of God. So I ask you honestly today, do you still have something to prove? Do you still have something to accomplish? Do you still have a reputation to guard? I have lost my reputation. I'm now no longer considered utilitarian by the world. I no longer have the world hounding me. Why? I still keep up my responsibilities. I still do exactly what the Lord God of heaven has asked me to do. but I am not in any way beholding 
to the world, the flesh, or the devil. And so I am free to speak with you honestly about what's happening. I am frightened for many of you who have succumbed to the demands of our culture that you be the receiver of what they call medicine. We've had a pandemic that was created artificially so that you would take what they considered the medicine, which is really the first step toward what is coming with the mark of the beast. I'm not going to dwell on this, but I am very concerned. I am concerned for you. I urge you to stand in the light of Jesus, even if it means you lose everything in the world and are castigated and condemned. Jesus is my healer, not the world. So we find Moses. He's on the far side of the desert. He's in the presence of God, although I don't think he knew about it. He entered into the school of the Holy Spirit when he fled from Egypt. He entered into the school of the Holy Spirit when he separated himself from the foolishness of the world. I'll be specific. He would not play. He would not play the game. The video games, the entertainment, the television, the YouTube videos. Those things take your time. The hobbies all of the different interests, some of them good and some bad, all from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He would not accept those. He was in the desert. And the day came when he was on the far side of the desert at Mount Horeb, which was known as the mountain of God. Elijah would later run to that mountain and God would meet him there. Of course, he is very conscious of desert fires in the brush, in the, in the trees, in the grass. And he looks up and he sees a bush that is burning. And I'm sure at first his heart was filled with terror because it meant he could lose all of his sheep. But as he watched it, he saw that it did not burn up. It was not consumed. And so he, out of curiosity, I love that, that Jesus triggered Moses' curiosity to have him come close. I want to say this. We know almost nothing about the 40 years he spent in the wilderness. Likewise, we know almost nothing about what the Apostle Paul spent in the wilderness. We know almost nothing about what happened with Joseph as a slave and and in prison. Why? Because every man's place in the desert requires a different treatment because every man's heart is different. And God tailor-makes that desert experience for each one of us. And he did that for Moses. Moses 
goes to see what this burning bush is. It's a strange sight. Why doesn't it burn up? And in chapter 3 of Exodus, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. What was that fire? God is dwelling within the bush. It's not in the NIV, but it is in the Hebrew. And that word, literally in the Hebrew, is Shekinah glory. Now, stay with me. The Shekinah glory of God is what appeared over the mercy seat in the desert tabernacle. The Shekinah glory means the very presence of God in fire. Shekinah is fire. We serve a God of fire. Now, this fire did not consume Moses. Why didn't it? How can the Shekinah glory of God be visible to a man and not take his life? It's called grace. It was the grace of God that allowed the Shekinah glory to be viewed, but it so terrified Moses that he hid his face. Now I want to say something to you very seriously. It is just as true today as it was then. No man or woman can be prepared to serve the living God until they have been able to see the Shekinah glory of God. If we can see the Shekinah glory of God, I will guarantee you that the joking and the levity of the American church would stop instantly. There would be great soberness and there would be fear. Now, how do we see the Shekinah glory of God? Well, we read in in the book of the Gospel of John, the Samaritan woman, in conversation with Jesus, is told, we must worship God in spirit and in truth. We who come to Jesus must come in spirit and in truth. Now let me expand that for you just a bit. We are spirit beings. But most of us have spent all of our time not in the spirit, but in the flesh. No flesh is able to enter in to the heaven above. Every one of us has been given the gift of a spirit. This hand. What tells this hand what to do? My spirit. What tells my feet where to go? My spirit. We have the gift, if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we have the gift upon conversion of seeing in the spirit realm. Now, some of you will say, Pastor, I've never seen in the spirit realm. Have you ever looked? The spirit realm is very real. This morning, 
I was in the Shekinah glory of God. I didn't see it with my physical eyes. I saw it with my spiritual eyes. You can see in the Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are filled with the Scriptures. And you begin to understand that most often you will not see spiritual things with your physical eyes. You must apprehend them. You must see them in the spirit realm and in truth. You see, the spirit realm also is where the devil reigns. But he does not reign supreme. In the spirit realm, you may hear from the devil. But the devil is a liar, a thief, a murderer, a cheat. We must hear in the spirit realm, in our inner being, and we must hear the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And everything, every spirit must be tested by whether or not it matches up with the scriptures. If it does not match with the scriptures, there is no light in them. They are speaking in the power of the devil. Now, let's be very clear. If you want to walk with Jesus... You walk first in the Spirit and in Jesus and in the truth. Now, that will dramatically affect the way you walk in the world, in the flesh. Let me make this clear. I do not set my goals based on what my flesh desires. I set my goals and my desires on the spirit realm, on Jesus himself. My eyes are fixed on Jesus in the spirit realm. We could speak a lot more about that, and perhaps later I can. But now I want to speak to specifically Moses has come and he sees the Shekinah glory of God. He sees the fire of God. He's terrified. And the Lord is kind to him in saying, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Why take off your sandals? Because the sandals are what Moses uses to walk in the flesh world. If you're going to walk in the Spirit, You're going to have to take off your shoes. You're going to have to take off your pride, your ambition, your arrogance. You're going to have to put aside your personal goals. You're going to have to put aside the world considering you to be a success. Now, God may cause you to be very successful in the world, but it will be for his kingdom and his glory and his honor, not for yours. I know many men who have a great desire to be wealthy, to be successful. I hear pastors, prophets of our day, coming and saying, everything is going to become very exciting soon. The power of God is coming, and you're going to prosper greatly financially. No, I don't think that's the way it works. To be successful in Jesus means that we walk fully and completely in the spirit of the living God, not in the flesh. So God tells Moses, take off your shoes. Do you remember this happened another time in Scripture? Joshua went out to take a look at Jericho. 
and he sees an armed soldier standing there, and he boldly walks up to him. And he said, Are you for us? Or are you for the enemy? And the Lord said, I'm not for either one of you. I've come as the commander of the Lord's army. Now, Joshua, take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. In other words, Joshua was not going to be able to take captive the land of Canaan. He was not going to be able to lead the children of Israel in victory so long as he walked in his own shoes. Now, this is a hard this is a hard concept. It's a hard decision. It it is utterly counterintuitive. We think that to be successful we must marshal all that we have and all that we are. We must strive with all of our might. We must be educated. I thought I want to be a pastor. I've got to go to college and major in theology and communications. I have to go to seminary and get my graduate degree. Then I'm prepared to be successful. Can I tell you? The Lord had to take out of me all of that training I received in the world school. Never once in seminary was it ever suggested to us by any professor that we should spend time reading the scriptures. Oh, we read them for debate and for homiletic class where we had to preach a sermon. We studied them for academic reasons, but no one ever suggested that we should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I took a whole class on the Holy Spirit. It was an academic study. It was never suggested that we should pray for one another to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Seminary was, for me, a cemetery. I'm not saying it is for everyone. But it was not a prerequisite for what God wanted to do in my life. And it's taken me some almost 50 years to wash that education out of my heart and out of my life. I was taught so many lies. I was taught theology that was totally wrong. I had to struggle in the desert to begin to understand. I had to read the scriptures time after time to begin to understand the real plan of salvation. I was not taught that in college or in seminary. I was filled with ambition. I was filled with a desire to be very successful. I was filled with a desire to do something great for God. What utter foolishness. I grieved the heart of God. And it's taken now many years to prepare me even to do this broadcast with you. I know that many of you are going to scoff at what I'm saying. It's not going to sound real to you. But I want to tell you, as long as you remain in Egypt and you trust in your own strength and your own power and you're busy, 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 you'll never dwell in that beautiful silent presence of the Almighty God. And that's where I want to be. So God begins to speak. I want to read for you what he said. It's so encouraging to my heart. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. 
So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, there's not so much difference between the children of Israel and their bondage and the church and its bondage today. God's people are again in total bondage. My heart is broken over a friend. I was very troubled by his life. He was a key leader in a church in the Northern Virginia area, chairman of the building fund, very active in the church's operation and work. But he would spend hours every evening watching the television, filling his heart with shallow foolishness. He loved the Redskins and he would spend hours watching them. He loved the basketball, the college ball. When I would speak with him about the scripture, he was interested in the insights I would share with him, but he had no insights to share with me. And then he contracted cancer. And with a short time, he passed on. The church is in bondage today. We're in bondage to the world, to the agenda of the world. We are trapped in the slavery of the modern world. We're trapped in the slavery of the cell phone. We're trapped in the internet. We're trapped in the television. We are spending our time in foolishness before God because we have refused separate ourselves to come out and be holy. And it's going to require a great deliverance. And I know that that deliverance can only come by the way of the Holy Spirit as he moves in the heart and minds of pastors and people calling the church to the desert. What's coming in America is not a great time of prosperity and pleasure. What's coming to America is judgment and wrath from God. We see it in the fires that are burning in the West. We see it in the floods that are happening in many nations. It does not surprise me that China is being wiped out with these horrendous floods, or that Turkey, in their wickedness, the Philippines, in their love of witchcraft, does not surprise me. America, the love of the abortion of babies, so that we can be able to go on with our lifestyle of the rich and the famous, with our ambitions, with our desires. Even the church does not stand up today against abortion. It doesn't surprise me that America is already under the wrath of God, and may I say it bluntly, you ain't seen nothing yet. As the economy collapses... I mean, last week, two weeks ago, I went to Wegmans and I bought a bag of avocados because I like avocados. I paid $4. Today I went to buy avocados and I paid over $9 for the same avocados. 
we're seeing a tremendous uprise in prices. It's going to get much worse before it gets better. We are like the children of Israel under the hand of the Egyptians, and we are slaves. Unless we've gone to the desert and have been set free by Jesus, and then seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you. God says to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He would never have heard that command if he was a part of the royal family in Egypt because he would have remained in his pride and his arrogance and his ambition. But Hebrews 11 tells us that he did not want to be considered a son of Pharaoh. That instead, he wanted to be with God's people because he saw Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Oh, that gives me such joy, because now we see clearly that Moses has lost his self-confidence. He has lost his ambition. He has, he has lost all of that pride of heart. He now recognizes that he is nobody to go back and rescue the children of Israel. They are heavy on his heart. But, he, but he's not going to go back. In that pride. Well, we're going to pick it up tomorrow. We're out of time. I hope this has been helpful to you today. Now, please, if these messages mean much to you, would you help us with the cost, the radio cost of the broadcast? We are still 1,600 some dollars short of being able to pay for July. I know some of you could very quickly help and cover that. Some of you can give 25 or 50 dollars. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Or you can go to the mailbox. And write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Would you help me? If Jesus is moving in your heart, let me hear from you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.